Good morning, everybody. <laughs> and good morning to those of you who are watching uh, online as well. And today we're going to be talking about, specifically, we're going to be talking about how to share your faith story, even if you think your faith story is absolutely boring. Uh, how to share it in a way that captures the beauty and the compelling nature of the gospel. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about how our brains are wired, how we've been created by God. And thirdly, we're going to be talking about how even great data is oftentimes uh, over, overrated. All right, before we do that, we're going to spend uh, a few moments praying a prayer of illumination, asking God to illuminate his word to us. And then we're going to hear the scripture, and then we'll get, we'll get to the sermon rather, rather quickly after that. So this passage that we are uh, going to be, uh, the prayer that we're going to be praying is based on Ephesians chapter 3. And please pray the underlying portions when we're done. I'm just going to add a little bit to that prayer, even after the amen, uh, so you can be ready for that. So let's, let's pray together. Through your spirit, we are given under, an understanding of who you are, Heavenly Father, and of your great love for each of us. We look to you and the truth of your word, and we ask that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit. Remind us that as believers in you, we are members of one body, sharing together in the promises, the promise in Christ Jesus, and filled to the measure of all the fullness of who you are. As we rest in the abundance of your blessings, move us by your grace to share what we have freely received with the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father... I just bring before you uh, our nation and with uh, the months and months of turmoil and now um, with an, an election that we've just had and with uh, just the amount of division that there is in our nation, Father, I pray that you would bring healing and I pray that we would be people of peace, that we would bring peace into our conversations and that we would bring always your hope and your love into everything that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we have another update. We've been trying to update. Uh, if you're brand new with us, we are in the middle of a campaign called the Bless Campaign, and every week we try to bring a, a bit of a, an update to that. And today, the update has to do with a way that you can apply the best Bless missional strategy immediately right now in your in your life and I shot this video at the St. Paul campus of the Uni University of Minnesota so let's watch the video hey five oaks family you've been part of the blessed series and you've wanted to use the five blessed missional practices but in the conditions created by COVID you're wondering how to do it especially with winter setting in well I want to tell you about three ways that you can practice all five missional practices right now and all winter long. You can do this. And you can do it with people who are actually hungry for friendships. These ways are part of our BLESS passport. So before I tell you what they are, I want you to just imagine with me for a moment being 5,000 miles away from home during COVID. Many international students at the University of Minnesota are basically stuck in Minnesota. They're often isolated in their apartments. And many are experiencing loneliness, a lot of depression. Many of these students are actually craving friendship. 
The Hospitality Center for Chinese is one of our ministry partners. Chinese students at the university, they work with Chinese students at the University of Minnesota. And they have a program called the Friendship Match that allows you to befriend these students. This means there are Chinese students who have actually signed up for something called a friendship match. They want to meet an American. This friendship match, it's virtual right now, but meeting in person is part of their vision for when conditions improve. Well, here's another opportunity, and it's to be a conversation partner with a Chinese student. This, uh, this helps them practice their English, and you'll be provided with topics to discuss each week. It's a great way to build a relationship with a Chinese student because you have the same partner every week. Again, it's a virtual experience, but it won't be a virtual experience forever. And remember, they signed up for it. Their mama's not making them do it. And it's not for school credit. You can put into practice the L in bless, listen with care, and the S, serve in love. And as time progresses, you may have a chance to use the final S that we're covering today, which is to share your story. Not sure this is for you? Well, you can dip your toes in with simply helping to serve a Thanksgiving meal on November 21 uh, at the Hospitality Center for Chinese. That's a Saturday before Thanksgiving. Meet the students and see if this is for you. It's a great opportunity. It's a great way to live out a missional life. And as you know, the BLESS campaign is also allocating 5% of all monies received uh, that are going to be coming into the campaign to other impact ventures. And these are going to be strategically chosen local and global missions and compassion efforts. If you want more information about the friendship match, the conversation partner opportunity, or serving the Thanksgiving meal on November 1st, simply write HCC on your communication card. That's HCC on your communication card for those of you who are in person. Or email impact at fiveoakschurch.org. That's impact at fiveoakschurch.org. No matter what winter holds, you will bless students far from home who are hungry for a friendship and quite actually interested in spiritual conversations. All of this from your own home. Again, for more information, write HCC on your communication card or right now, send an email uh, to impact at fiveoakschurch.org. That's impact at fiveoakschurch.org and just say you want more information about the Hospitality Center. Thanks. I may have, uh, I may have skipped uh, one element and so let's do the, uh, the scripture reading, please. I think I jumped right over that. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Romans 3, 23 through 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. All right, so... If you are a follower of Jesus, you know that the greatest blessing that you can bring to someone is to point them to Christ. So how can we do that effectively? That's what this whole series, Blessed Series, has been about. And we've, we've uh, constantly come back to this point, that the key 
to sharing our faith in a way that's natural and relational and more effective is found in the word bless. And um, so this is, the word bless is a five-part missions, missional strategy that we learn from Jesus and we learn it from the scripture from beginning, especially starting with, uh, with Abraham all the way to the end. And each letter of bless represents a, uh, a missional practice. And we added an extra S, but if we look at it here, it's begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, steward your resources, serve in love. And today and next week, we're looking at the S, share your story, the final S. We're going to spend two weeks there because we're going to spend this week looking at how we do that personally, but next week we're going to talk a lot about how we do that in a way um, as a congregation, how we share our story. So sharing your story is really the most effective approach to sharing the story of the gospel. It's the most effective way. And no one is going to figure out the story of God on their own. So some, someone um, has to share the story of God. That's what the Apostle Paul said. How will, they, how will they follow the gospel if they don't hear the gospel? They've got to hear it from someone. Most people... In your everyday life, in my everyday life, they don't know the gospel story. They don't know the gospel message. Ask them. What you'll discover is that most people actually don't know it, that they're far from understanding what the gospel is that Jesus brought. And sometimes they know it because maybe they grew up in a church that preached the gospel, but what you find is if you dig a little bit, there are whole aspects of it that are missing in their story. Uh, They have some deep misunderstandings of several aspects of the story. So... Some of you may be thinking, um, well, I prefer to live out the story rather than to speak out the story. I want my life to do the talking. And if you think that way, I just want to tell you you're on the right track (laughs) because it's really important for our lives to do a lot of the talking. But you still need to talk. In fact, seeking to live out our faith without speaking out our faith is actually a major, major hurdle. It's a barrier to other people coming to faith. I mean, it is a huge barrier. If you live out your faith and you live it out well, but people don't hear why you live the way you live, they don't know that it is because of what God is doing in you and because you're following Jesus and the transformation that is happening because of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you do that, people don't hear the gospel from you. You're actually stifling their ability to come to to know Christ. You're stifling it. Um, How's that? Well, it's actually pretty simple. If you set the bar up here, and let's say you live a life of compassion and honesty and caring and humility, not a perfect life, a humble life where you're willing to admit when you've been wrong, but you never explain that it is Christ who's made that possible in your life, you get all the glory. You get all the glory, not God. And if you don't share your story, some people will conclude that they can never become a Christian because they can never be like you. That's the idea. It's like, well, I can't be like that. So I don't don't think I can become a Christian. I've told the story uh, more than once probably about a uh, true story about a guy who is working for this man who's a Christian. This guy's not a Christian. He's working for a man who's a Christian, small company. And one, time, uh, one day, he, this guy that works for him goes to a conference or something, becomes a Christian, becomes a follower of Christ, puts his faith in Jesus Christ. He comes back and he tells his boss, you know, 
I just became a Christian this weekend. And the boss goes, well, you know I'm a Christian, right? And he goes, yeah, I know. I know you're a Christian. Um, and I've watched how you lived, and I just never thought I could be like you. What was missing? The gospel. <laughs> the gospel of grace. Uh, the guy didn't know how it is that his boss was the type of person he was because he had never heard the gospel from him. Sharing your faith is absolutely essential, and sharing your story is the most, a way, is the most effective way of sharing because stories are powerful. They're powerful. So let's spend a few minutes thinking about the power of stories, and we'll do it by video. Stories are powerful. How powerful are they? Well, consider this. According to brain research, we're hardwired for stories. When you hear about the research, it's amazing what happens in your brain and even in your body when you're engaged in a story, when you're hearing a story, reading a story, watching a story unfold. So it makes sense that most of the Bible is stories. Even when the Bible teaches without a story, the teaching is almost always embedded in a story. Take the Sermon on the Mount, for example. A lot of it is straight teaching without story. But the teaching is embedded in the story of Jesus, and it really only makes sense if you have the rest of that story. When the epistles of the New Testament teach, it's always embedded in a story. So the Apostle Paul, the other authors, are always responding to questions that have been sent to them by the church to whom they're writing or to problems in those churches to whom they are writing. And that's not all. Most of Jesus' teaching was in stories. I just read this a few weeks ago in an excellent book by Arthur Brooks. He writes this, imagine Jesus telling his followers, according to the latest surveys, priests and Levites are 42.3% less likely than Samaritans to help travelers on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, on which violent crime has increased significantly in the last decade. <clears throat> How does that compare to the story of the Good Samaritan? Well, think about this. The whole Bible, it tells one story. It tells the story of Jesus. Jesus said the whole story is about him. And we know that the story that's about him is about God's redemptive work on our behalf. Stories are powerful. We're hardwired by God to be changed by stories, to be motivated by stories, to learn from stories. You really can't escape it. If you've ever read one of Patrick Lencioni's books on leadership, you know that most of the book is a story. I was at a pastor's gathering, and we were talking about one of Lencioni's books, and one of the pastors said he doesn't read the story. He just skips right to the end of the book. He said he always just goes right to the end of the book. If you've read one of his books, you know that at the end, he explains the leadership concepts that have been embedded in the story that is the majority of the book. So this pastor said, I don't, I don't get very much out of stories. That means his preferred way of learning aligns with one in 10 people in the non-Western world. In the non-Western world, in the developing world, nine in 10 prefer to learn through stories. Now you might say, well, this guy was a Western world pastor, right? I'd say yes. But in the Western world, eight in 10 people prefer to learn through a story, eight in 10. And I guarantee you the other two that prefer concepts, principles, just abstract ideas, they're still deeply impacted by stories that, that grab them. Stories are powerful. 
Besides being hardwired for stories, one of the reasons stories are so powerful is because the listener has to suspend their own perspective to a degree in order to enter into the storyteller's perspective. When, when you hear a story, you're, you're transported into that story. It happens all the time, whether you're watching a Netflix series or a great movie or reading a great book. So imagine you're sharing your faith through, uh, through story with someone who doesn't believe in God or the God of Christianity. They may be as far removed from a Christian worldview as, as you can be. Now, while they're listening, they're adopting to a certain degree your perspective, your ideas uh, that are embedded within that story. That simply doesn't happen when you're just sharing ideas. Ideas don't have that same power. Well, I wanted to videotape this video with the Vikings-Green Bay Packers game uh, playing behind me. I had recorded it, but uh, evidently, in this, uh, we have YouTube TV. Evidently, if you watch it from beginning to end, it disappears from your recordings. I didn't know that. But here's why I wanted to put it there, because if you're not convinced, if you're saying, I'm just not so sure our stories are that powerful, and you're a fan of either the Vikings or the Green Bay Packers, or of another team who's impacted by whether one of those teams wins or loses. The story that unfolded through that game, and really what happens in any sports events, the story that unfolds, the conflict, the, the characters, all the things that are happening pull you in. It does stuff to your brain, and it even does stuff in your body. Stories are powerful. All right, it's in our wiring. Stories are powerful, and that's why oftentimes data, ideas, abstract ideas are often overrated. They're necessary, but they're often overrated. People think in stories more than data. Have the data, have the evidence, have the, um, have, have the, the, the concepts, but embedded, it needs to be embedded in stories. Lead with the story. So stories are so powerful. How can you share the gospel by sharing your story, even if your story is something that you would call absolutely boring? Like, I don't even remember, (laughs) except in Christ. So I have no before and after type of story. Well, I'm going to show you three ways. One of them is always remember that the gospel is a story, so tell your story through the gospel story, through God's story. If you think the gospel is a set of ideas, you're going to miss this. Because it's not just a set of ideas. Yes, the gospel contains a whole set of ideas, but those ideas are embedded in a story. They're embedded within the story of God. The simplest way to look at the story of God is in four parts. Uh, Creation, separation, redemption, new creation. That's the whole story of God in four, four parts. Ideas like Jesus died for our sins. Ideas like you are saved by grace through faith are embedded in a story. You want to understand that you have to understand the story. So tell your story through the story of God. Let's keep this screen up here. I've got something that's not in, your, in the notes. Um, I just want to give a quick preview for next week because next week I told you we're going to talk about the story that our, our church tells. And the story that our church tells, this is a little preview, the story that our church tells is the story of God 
being brought to life. That's a story that week in and week out we tell as a church and as a body of Christ. In our world, there are competing stories every day. You've heard me say this before. Some of the stories that compete with the story of God are beautiful stories. They're very compelling stories. They're beautiful stories. They're compelling. Some of those stories are very ugly stories. Not the kind of stories that most of us would buy into. They're very, very ugly stories. Most of the stories that are competing with the story of God, they're a mixture of both. A lot of beauty, a lot of the ugliness that we see in ourselves, in our own minds, in our own humanity. All of the stories that compete with the story of God borrow from the story of God. You understand? They borrow from the story of God. Whether it be how we can live authentic lives, whether the story be about justice and compassion, whether the story be about love of family and friendship, all this is taken from the story of God. The problem is with the other stories, with the competing stories, is people want the story without the savior of the story. They want the story without the savior of the story. Um, one person puts it this way, people want the kingdom, all the values of the kingdom, without the king. And so as a church, we talked, we're going to talk about this more next week. What we do is we bring the story of God to life, and the idea is we need to affirm the competing stories where it is beautiful and good. And then affirming that, point them to the savior of the story that gives a basis and a foundation for all that they believe in, the story that they're following that is beautiful and good. All right, so that's a little aside about next week. Um, I hope you're here for it. What does the story look like uh, in a personal level? How do we take these four elements and do this in a personal level? So imagine having a conversation. You're talking with a friend, and the friend says something like, um, I've been talking to this one friend, and this friend is really struggling with their own personal sense of who they are, and I just keep trying to tell them that they are enough within themselves. Okay, there is a conversation that's happening. There's a partial story there, part of the story of God, a whole other part of it that really doesn't go uh, into the story of God because its foundation is I'm enough in myself, but not really pointing to the Savior of the story who is the one that makes my life worthwhile. All right, so what might this look like? I'm just going to do this rather quickly. You can come back and watch this later if you want to see how this works. But here's I'm telling my story in light of a conversation using these four parts. It's sad when we're trying to prove our worth in unhealthy ways. I've, I've been there. I still struggle with it. But I've learned that I was made to be in a loving relationship with God. He valued me that much. Separation. But part of the reason I flail around trying to find acceptance from others is that I actually rejected God. Um, and I have rejected God, and instead I've made myself and I've made others and I've made stuff the most important things in my life. I've made them into gods that actually wind up dictating my life. So we moved to redemption. Over time, I came to understand how Jesus came to this earth to win back my heart and to pay the price in my place for the mess that I've made of my life, my relationships, and of our earth. I discovered that I can have a relationship with him. So I put my faith in him. 
not in my own performance, trying to be enough in myself. It's just incredible to me that Jesus died for my sins, but he rose from the dead so that I could have new life. I look forward to a time in the future when he will make the whole world right. Now, this is kind of long. It doesn't have to be this long. It's just you see the outline. You tell your story through the outline. And this might be several conversations. But see, it doesn't matter if you came to Christ at age five. You don't remember a time when you didn't live far from Christ. You don't have this testimony of, you know, of having killed 17 people and then turned to Christ or something like that that's so exciting. Scary, but exciting. <laughs> yeah. All right, but you tell the story through specifically the story of God. It doesn't matter how boring, supposedly, your story is. All right, here's a, a second way of telling the story. And the second way is you use a redemptive framework to tell your story. Okay, that, that sounds kind of complex. So let me, under, let me explain what I mean by a redemptive framework. It's pretty easy. Next slide. I once was, but now, through, by, because of. I once was, but now... Through why? Okay, so that's the framework. Uh, let's fill it in a bit. Let's, let's tell this story. Once I was successful, but dissatisfied. I found deep meaning and satisfaction in life now. By putting my faith in Christ, my life is now more centered in God and on things that last forever. A lot shorter, redemption framework, very simple. Let's do, let's do another one. Once I was far from God, but now I'm in a close relationship with God by putting my faith in God through what he did in Christ on the cross. All right, um, where does the framework come from? It comes from the passage that was read earlier. Let's uh, take a look at that passage in Ephesians. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to God through or because of the blood of Christ. The redemptive framework can be found in really the whole Bible, but the other two passages that we read. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And the last passage for we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The pattern is to be found everywhere in Scripture. It's a simple way of telling your story. Again, you don't have to have the most exciting story. You can just tell what actually happened when you went from not following Christ to following Christ, even if you were too young to remember and it doesn't have to be dramatic. Just use the biblical concepts, use the biblical ideas, use a conversational terms to describe them. Don't like be quoting verses necessarily. And make them personal. Personalize them. You might be one of those people that can't remember a time when you went from, you know, from not believing to following Jesus, but you can tell your story this way. It's your story. Okay, one more way of sharing the gospel by telling your story. Share a story about a time that you experienced a crisis of faith. That's another way to tell your story. So even if you came to Christ at a young age, certainly there were times in your life, there were moments when you had a crisis of faith, and by enduring through it, you came out of it maybe with a stronger faith, a faith that became more personal, personal to you. So um, it, the story might look like this. 
I put my faith in Christ at an early age. But it became more real or personal to me when, and now I. That's the basic framework of this. Now here's, here's my story. And I can tell my story in a million different ways. This is my true story. So I put my faith in Christ when I was at a pretty young age. But it became even more personal to me when I was challenged by a high school teacher who didn't believe in God and seemed to enjoy shaking up young Christians. He kept pointing out how Christians had suppressed other people and judged people unfairly. That was his theme. I mean, he battered us with that. It was a social studies class. And for an entire semester, he battered us with that. Now I know that some of what he called oppression was sometimes loving accountability. And when it was true, when he was right, it was the opposite of what Christ stood for. It wasn't a reflection on Christ. And it reminded me that we truly are broken and need what Christ did for us on the cross, dying for all the ways uh, we fail to live his way. So that's, that's what I went through when I was in high school. This was my story. So... Um, I can talk about other crises in my life. You can talk about your own crises in your life. So I can talk about my first crisis of faith days after receiving Christ when my best friend, I was interacting with my best friend and trying to explain what my faith was, just having just learned what faith in Christ was. Or I can talk about a crisis that I had when I was in my doctoral program at Boston University, when I took a course with a world-renowned sociologist um, the top in his field, and he was chipping away at, not that he didn't have faith, but at the kind of faith that we share in this church. Or several crises that I ha I've had when Christians that I respect and look up to have uh, fallen into, um, have fallen away from the faith, have abandoned their faith. You may not remember a time when you didn't know God, or you may have put your faith in Christ very young, but even you have had a crisis of faith, even a mini-crisis, and sharing about that crisis, telling that story is a way of being able to tell the story of the gospel. You need to practice this, though. You actually need to write it out. In the small group section of the Sermon Application Guide, question five, I think it's question five, is an opportunity to actually practice one of these approaches to sharing your faith. You can download it if you're online, uh, at the sermon site at the, at the, um, on our website. If you're here, you've got it in your hand or can grab one on your way out. If you don't practice and think this through ahead of time, it's likely that you're not going to be able to apply it in a real situation. It's not that you're going to be practicing the real conversation. It's just you need practice in thinking this through. Don't skip question five. And if you're not currently in a small group or your group is off this week, take the time to do question five. It'll only take you a few minutes to do it. But those few minutes mean that the next time you have a conversation with someone who's far from God and you have an opportunity to share your story, maybe with one of the people who are in your top five list that you're praying for, you're going to be more ready than otherwise. So someone you, come, you care about who's far from God shares with you that right now they are experiencing a high level of anxiety, that everything that's happening in our world is causing them to have anxiety that's off the charts. You've been praying for this person. You've been praying for moments where you might be able to share your story, the story of the gospel. They share this with you because you've been praying for them, because you've been a good listener, because you've shared your life with them, because you've served them in all kinds of ways along the way. And now they're sharing their anxiety. They're spilling out their heart to you. And you have a chance to share your story because you too 
have struggled or are struggling with anxiety, but you have resources that they don't have. You have a God that you can walk with during that anxiety. And now you share the gospel by sharing your struggles and your suffering. Will you be ready? You'll be ready if you practice. You're more likely going to be ready if you practice. And so don't skip skip question five. Take the time to fill it out. That's the takeaway that I hope you take from this sermon. Well, let's celebrate communion as we begin uh, our response. Because our response, of course, we've been talking here about um, sharing our story. That's going to be part of our response, right? We're going to be praying for people, our top five, other people in our life who are far from God, who don't know the gospel story. We're looking for those opportunities. But a response here also begins with remembering the story. And the climax of the story is what we celebrate in communion. It's when Jesus went and in a Passover celebration took the bread of Passover and said, this, it's all been pointing to me all along, this is my body that has been broken for you. And so let's eat the bread together. Then he took the cup and he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is my blood shed for you for the remission of sins. Father, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for this amazing story, this true story of salvation, of love, of compassion, of creation, of worth, the worth that we have in you. You died for us. You love us that much. And we needed it that much. We were that far from you. Father, I pray that as we go throughout this week, that we would live. We would live within that story. And that we would have opportunities to share our story. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.